and welcome to the show. It's your boy, Lewis, and today I am joined by none other than Blaine Potvin. How you doing today, sir? I am doing great. Hello to everybody, especially those Habs fans out there. Yes, so my intro song of the day today was Velvet Revolver Headspace. And, you know, Velvet Revolver was kind of a combination of Slash from Guns N' Roses, Dave Kushner from Wasted Youth, and Scott Wayland of Stone Temple Pilots. So, you know, they tried to create a super band out of a few formerly good bands. It didn't turn out very good for them, but that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Isn't that Blaine? I, I think uh, I think this could be the starting of a very good super band. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're trying. We're trying to take the best of the two podcasts to make one super podcast, and hopefully it works. Uh, as long as it doesn't end up like that first Hulk movie, we're, we're doing good. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about Carl Alsner. Uh, talk about the comments that were made by J.J. Daniel. Uh, we're going to talk about Yoel and Arturi Lekkonen's two-year deals. We're going to talk expectations for Kokaniemi ne next season. Uh, we're going to play a game of Gotta Have It or Trash It, your favorite game, isn't it? It is. And uh, we're going to do some around-the-league talk and so much more. Blaine, we're not going to waste any time. Let's get started with some NHL news. <laughs> So, Ron Francis, named GM of the Seattle franchise. So, it looks like uh, Tom Dundon has another enemy GM. It does seem that way. I mean, uh, now, now Ron can go in and he doesn't have to worry about paying bonuses or uh, drafting whoever he wants. He has free reign. Exactly. So, what do you think? You think he's a good guy for the job? Uh, honestly, I think he's a good pick for a, a franchise just starting out. He's... Uh, he's well known for his uh, his draft prowess, so he, they'll do well with their prospects. Uh, he was kind of handcuffed with uh, former ownership in Carolina making trades, but he is known for making creative trades. So we'll see what he does once uh, once the expansion draft kicks into gear next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's hard to judge right uh, right away. I mean, we we all know he's a hockey guy. We know he's a good player. You know, but um, he did some good things in Carolina. But yeah, I'm sure that he's happy to be free, starting from scratch. Nobody, you know, like you said, tying his hands. That's going to be interesting. And again, Mark Bergevin probably has another friend. Ron, Ron was probably happy that Bergevin tried to do that to Carolina. <laughs> Honestly, I think there's a few GMs that were pretty happy to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. So, some more news here. There was a trade. The Blackhawks traded Artem Anisimov to Ottawa for Zach Smith. What do you think about that one? Uh, that's that screams Ottawa taking on cap. Uh, Smith is a he's he's a solid bottom six player. He's still got a lot left to give. There's a lot of gas left in his tank. He's going to be a very very good fit in Chicago. Um, An Anisimov, he he seems to have slowed a bit. He's going to be in that second line role in Ottawa. Yeah. But his uh, the expectations on him have to be kept fairly low. Yeah. Yeah. And Isimov, yeah, he hasn't, he's kind of been underwhelming, I guess, a little bit as of late. But Zach Smith, I like. You know, he, he adds a little bit of grittiness to the game. Like with them acquiring Andrew Shaw and adding Smith, I think that they were lacking, I guess, a little bit of grittiness last year. And I think both of those players are going to help them compete. I really. I like what the Blacks, Blackhawks are doing. I think they're going to be a lot better this year. I think they'll be up there. I think they might be competing for a playoff spot again. Well, they were on the bubble for a playoff spot last season. And then you add these two. I think that kind of puts them over the top. Yeah, both that, these that's guys what I'm are, thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and both these guys are glue guys in the room. Uh, they're popular with their teammates. Everybody uh, gets along with them. They, they like them. They're, they're kind of those, uh, those behind-the-scenes leaders. So this kind of move... Uh, I think is going to pay dividends for Chicago this season. Yeah, and you always want to be hard to play against. Those two guys definitely bring that. And this guy, Slava Voinov, making news again. So he signed with a, a KHL team, Avangard, in Russia. He's going to serve his suspension there. Do you think he ends up on an NHL team eventually? Um, I think he will get another chance, but I personally hope he doesn't. 
I don't feel he belongs uh, in the league. Yeah, I agree with you. And I know a lot of people. It's, there was links it's not, to the Habs it's not before. A thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be happy to see him in Montreal. No, no, I don't think anybody would. And that's the last thing. I mean, there's enough Bergevin haters out there already. <laughs> he doesn't need to add any more fuel to the fire. And that's exactly what signing that guy would do. Absolutely. Okay, so now let's uh, move into some Habs news. So this was the big news of the day. Andre Markov's agent, Sergei Isakov or Isakov, said that to Sport 24 that uh, he's been in touch with Montreal. Uh, he said he spoke to the main scout of Montreal and strongly recommended paying attention to Andre. Uh, at least out of respect for him. There was also other reports claiming that Markov is seeking $2 million a year for a contract. What do you think about this? Oh, um, I, I love Markov. Uh, the time he spent in Montreal, uh, I agree that, you know, just out of respect, look, uh, taking a look at him would be, would be worthwhile. I mean, sign him to a PTO, that would be great. Uh, signing him to $2 million, I don't think that happens. Uh, the man is 40 years old. He's on the, he's definitely gone downhill mm -hmm. just to the KHL and KHL to NHL is a big jump. So I don't know how much, uh, how well he would do with the, uh, readjustment phase. So I think a PTO would probably be the best way to go just so he can prove himself one way or the other. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. But knowing Markov, I don't think, I think he wants a contract. I don't think he'll even consider a PTO, right? I think that all that he's given, and I'm not saying that he should be given a contract. I know he's, he's given a lot to, to, to the organization, but still, like I, me knowing the way Markov is, not that I know him personally, I just don't think that he would do something like that. Uh, you know, uh, if he's not willing to tr do a PTO and he definitely wants a contract, then I don't think the Canadians are going to be a fit for him. Maybe another team will sign him, uh, but I have I have my I have serious doubts about that. Yeah. Based on his age, based on his his play lately, uh, his best bet if he wants back in the NHL is going to be a PTO. And I know he wants back because there's going to be that. Uh, that salary cap that's coming into play in the KHL this season. Yeah, that's right. And I know, you know, for a lot of Habs fans, including myself, it's like a, an old high school lover that you kind of want to rekindle that flame. You want to reach that milestone. But it just seems like that time has passed and we've all changed so much and it just won't work anymore. And that's why I didn't go to my high school reunion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another thing, too, like if he comes on this team, like really, like is he – he can't. I can't play in the top four of the defense, and I mean, it's just unfair to some of the guys who are there already. And I mean, what are we gonna play? Are we are we gonna bring back the days of a Mark Andre Bergeron and bring a seventh defenseman, and he just plays the power play? Like, is that what people expect? Uh, that's honestly, that's pretty much the best case scenario. Is he would play at best uh, spot duty on a third pairing and some time on the power play. I think uh, the the connection between Mark Andre Bergeron and uh, and Markov now. I think that uh, that's a very good comparison. Yeah, and you know, and I mean, and they actually, I think back then they were throwing Mark Andre Bergeron out there for some fourth line shifts. Like he he was just going for a skate on the fourth line. I think at times, right? Yeah, he was he was <laughs> eating up three four minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, those were tough days. I don't want to go back to that. Anyway, like I kind of there's a part of me that wants to see Markov play again. But I don't know, maybe a $1 million deal, let him hit that milestone and then kind of do like what we did with Placanich. That's kind of something that I'd be interested in, but I, I, I think it's just time to, to, to face the music. It's over. Uh, I, would be, I would be fine with him signing a contract, but only after he proves himself with a PTO. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't offer him a contract right out of the, right out of the gate. Yeah, exactly. And that, I, that would not... That yeah. wouldn't go over well. Yeah, and, and like just like I was saying too. I mean, it's not fair to the guys you have already there, like guys like Mete and guys like um, newly signed um, Sherratt and and you, you know uh, Kulak. You you have Mike Riley. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys in there that want to compete. Younger guys. I think it's only fair to them that they get a fair shot. 
I agree. And if the if the whole idea is just for PR purposes, uh, Juleson could be left down in Laval without having to clear waivers, and Markov can get his ten games and then walk off into the sunset if that's the goal. Which yeah. honestly, when you're when you got a team that wants to compete for a playoff spot, bringing in uh, a grizzled old veteran so he can have a swan song is not a good idea. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe there's some more news to come. Keith Kincaid, though, he arrived in Montreal, and he said that he would, you know, he's excited to work with a guy like Carey Price, and uh, he's hoping that he can lighten up his workload. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what, you know, the purpose of a backup goalie is. But uh, should have fans be excited for his arrival? <laughs> Honestly, he is a good backup goaltender. His numbers last year weren't very good because he was on a bad team and he played more games than he should have. But all in all, this was a good signing. Kincaid's a, a solid backup goaltender. And I can see him getting 20 to 25 starts as, as most people would expect a backup to get. And not just basic starts, quality starts, where the Canadians actually have a chance to win. Yeah. Unlike last year with Niemi. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's been dark. I mean, Montoyo, I love Char uh, Montoyo, right? I said Charlie, I was going to call him the, the Blue Jays <laughs> manager, Charlie Montoyo. <laughs> Montoya, right? Mon Al Montoya. <laughs> so I loved Al Montoya, but he was not very good. Niami was not very good. I mean, Carey Price, I mean, hasn't had too many good backups <laughs> in his time here. No, he hasn't. And, and uh, honestly, I, I, my personal view on it was that Charlie Lindgren could have been that guy for a little bit less, but I mean, I can't fault them for bringing in a more proven veteran so that they're, they're guaranteed to have that guy who can play those 25 games yeah. because last year was hard to watch those 25, 26 straight games. Yeah. And we spoke about it on other podcasts. I mean, it's just, it's not fair to carry. He, he, he doesn't, he wants to know somebody who's been there, done that, who's played a lot of games because if Lindgren fumbles out of the gate, then you're stuck in the same position. And then we got to overuse price because we might be in a playoff race again and we don't want that to happen again. So I think this was the best bet. I believe me, I, I'm a fan of Lindgren. I was pulling for him. I was hoping that he would do it. But I mean, the numbers don't back it up. And I know the numbers don't speak, you know, every, like they don't, they don't show the whole picture, but numbers no, are still numbers. No. Yeah. His numbers in the AHL were poor, uh, this, this past season. Um, he did have injury issues and I've watched uh, almost all the, uh, the games. Uh, and when he played, he was the reason why the games were close. He kept his team in the game. Right. So his numbers didn't really reflect what he was doing. There were games where he had a hard time for sure, but uh, his NHL numbers are, uh, are very, very good numbers. Very but there's, good, yeah. There, there's not a lot there. There's, there's maybe 18, 20 games. Yeah. So I, I management, went with uh, a veteran just because they wanted to be absolutely sure. Yeah, exactly. But it hurts to see that. And it was pretty much a direct request from Kerry himself. So you got to keep him happy. Well, yeah, you, you want to keep your star happy. He also requested uh, that, uh, you know, they take bigger steps towards being contenders, but... Yeah. Uh, to be contenders. Yes. So far, <laughs> it's still early in the summer, so fingers crossed. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to have some more Habs Talk. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. And we're back. Hello. <laughs> so now it's time for us to get into uh, some more Habs talk. Are you ready? I have never been more ready for anything in my life. <laughs> Okay, so let's get straight into it. I mean, this was big news throughout the week here. J.J. Daniel appeared on an interview with Mitch Melnick of TSN 690, and he had an interesting reaction when asked about Carl Alsner. I'm going to play the, the clip here first, and then we'll kind of break it down. Hey, Chell, what did you make of that entire situation with Carl, and what did you make of, of working with him at the point in, of his career that you did? <laughs> You know what? It's probably uh, it's probably one player that, that that I want to talk. I don't want to talk about. Oh. I'll, I'll just I'll just be <laughs> I'll just be straightforward with you guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it didn't click. Yeah, just it, Carl is, is is not a is not a player that uh, I don't have much to say about Carl. Oh. Okay. Wow. So Blaine, give me your interpretation of the comments or lack thereof. <laughs> well, uh, you can look at it two ways. Uh, if you're kind of cynical and you want to see it like a reality show kind of unfolding, uh, it could be the two having a massive, massive fallout, or you could see it as a coach who doesn't want to share any drama that they might've had. Um, just in case he want, didn't want to give out the information. Uh, the way I see it, it's actually kind of a combination of the two, but more towards they, I think they had a massive falling out. They had a major disagreement. There's still respect there as a player coach, but I don't think there's much respect as individuals. Yeah. I mean, it was quite interesting. I mean, especially because both guys involved, right? They kind of have a reputation of both being pretty stand-up guys. I mean, I hated Carl Alsner almost ever since I seen him play in the Bleu Blanc Rouge, but it never had anything to do with his character, his or his attitude, or off ice antics. I mean, the only really opinion I had on it, I thought he was just overpaid and he can't play in today's NHL, right? Um, but I thought throughout the whole process he handled it like a professional. But I mean, by the sounds of it, JJ and him they did not have a healthy relationship or at least a healthy end to the relationship. Um, I don't know. Maybe JJ blames him a little for bringing down the D Corp and maybe that's probably what led to his firing. But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I think th the, the defense was kind of going down a hill way before that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with uh, the professional side. I think it seems more, more personal. Uh, I mean, not everyone gets along, even if, you you must everyone has those two friends you know two guys that they really they really get along with and they respect but those two guys don't respect each other right and i think that's kind of that's kind of what we're seeing here yeah i mean i don't think it helps like i'm, I'm i know in that first season i think jj though too was f kind of force fed carl alsner in the lineup you know what I mean? When Mark Bergevin made that signing, we knew that Carl wasn't, but we knew he wasn't going anywhere because he was just signed. And I thought he, I think he was force fed to being played and all that stuff. You, you don't think that that has any factor in this? Well, I think that might've been what set off everything. And there might've been some disagreements that, uh, that stemmed from it. But uh, yeah, no, uh, it does seem like it's more of a personal thing than it does a professional thing. And that's why he's trying to keep it, uh, keep it separate. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely force fed, not just to the decor, but to the, the fan base. Yeah. I mean, the whole team was <laughs> really that. That's kind of what Mark Bergevin has done with certain guys. You could tell he's like, well, just keep playing them. Just keep playing them. Yeah. Hoping that somehow it'll click. Right. Yeah. I don't know. This 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 one was very intriguing. I got to say, Um I mean, yeah, like, especially coming from hockey guys. I mean, at times it seems like their interviews are so scripted and always so cliche, you know, you, respect, honesty. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, cur- I'm pretty sure somebody will ask Carl about this <laughs> somewhere down the line in training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he'll probably have the same thing to say. Yeah. I mean, um, like you said, they, they use a lot of cliches and a lot of, uh, a lot of scripted answers. And I think he was taken off guard with that question because otherwise he would have just lied through his teeth and gave a scripted answer. Yeah. But maybe now that he's kind of away from the organization, it's good to be honest. I respect that too. I do respect that his response because it felt, it feels like he was kind of honest about it. He didn't kind of sugarcoat it. Well, you know, he didn't say much, but just by him not saying much, he said a lot. So I, I kind of respect that. Uh, yeah, in in a, in a way, yeah, absolutely. Now I'm more concerned with uh, with JJ and what's going to happen here in Halifax. Now that he's moved into the city, I'm worried that Treg is going to be hiding in his bushes trying to ask him that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to find out. Well, there you go. We need an on-field reporter. Tell him to get some more information. Maybe he can get him on the show. Maybe, maybe one if, of the uh, shows. if Treg doesn't have, yeah, one of them. That is if Treg doesn't somehow get a restraining order against him. <laughs> well, listen, you tell Treg to try and tell him if he does get an interview, then we'll allow him to come on this show. We'll even say he's one of the best. <laughs> and what was that? I forgot to t- say the name at the beginning, actually. It's Hab an Unfiltered Listen. That's the name of this show. Uh, the Mashup. The Mashup. Yep, the velvet revolver of podcasting. <laughs> now let's move into. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now let's move into Joel Armia and Arturi Lekkonen. They avoided arbitration. They ink two-year deals with the Habs. Let's talk about the deals and uh, the importance of these players. Well, with uh, with Armia, uh, Shaw's gone, and that makes Armia a little bit more important to the Canadians' lineup. Uh, well, he he holds possession for long periods of time, and he can dominate a cycle game. Uh, what I see from this deal is the Habs hoping that he stays healthy for the full season and kind of generates a little bit more of an offensive output. Uh, yeah. Last year, he played 57 games. He got 13 goals. That's good numbers for the amount of games he played, but... It, it, they need them for that full season, playing that style. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the Lekkonen signing? Uh, well, Lekkonen, I think that's a great signature. This kid just plays hockey the right way. He's a great two-way winger. Uh, he has rare, rare, rare errors in his game. His gap control is near perfect. Um, teams that want to win, teams that compete and contend, t- have guys like Lekkonen in their lineup. So he's he's a must-have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think both deals are fair. I think both are kind of prove-me deals. Um, I think the, the Habs get an opportunity to, to, to decide if they want to pay these players eventually. And, I mean, if they fall out of favor, maybe get pushed down the, the Habs' depth chart due to prospects, then they can kind of trade them or, or, or let them walk, I guess, eventually. I think it's a win-win for both parties. I think both parties will get what they want out of these deals. Um, and I think both players, regardless of production, are both useful to en- bo- any NHL team. You know what I mean? Both play a good two-way, five-on-five hockey. Both play both sides of special teams, so penalty kill and power play. They can both play there. Um, and you know what? Arturi Lekkonen, I think, has a breakout year in him. He really does. I mean, this kid gets all the opportunities in the world. I think, I think this year will be the year where we're going to see a drastic increase in his production. I just have this feeling. And I think that Armia is a perfect bottom six guy, big body possession guy who can really grind down the opposing D-men. And one thing about Armia that goes, I don't know if, people, if it's underrated or under the radar, his nifty stick. Like, he can stick lift with the best of them. 
Oh yeah, it's greasy. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but he he's so good at it. And I mean, I think the Habs, they lack size. So I think that Armia, it, it was important for them to sign. They need that, sign down, that size down low. Um, and the good thing is it's always good to have players who, ha- who have the ability to move up and down the lineup. So I think both signings are great. But the problem is I still think that the Habs have too many of those players who can kind of move up and down the lineup. We need some players who just live at the top more of those guys yeah yeah that's having those those high skilled guys uh, leading the way offensively would be great uh it looks like they're playing the uh offense by committee again this year yeah. it worked out okay last year but i think you're right with lekkanen uh lekkanen in his three seasons so far he's had increases in offensive output every year people talk a lot about his goal scoring and he is snake bitten a bit there but he's he's creating offense for others and getting assists that way. So I think that this year he we might even see a 45 point season out of him. Yeah, and I mean like this kid like he has a good shot. And I mean when he was playing overseas, where was he playing in the was he playing SHL? In Finnish. Oh, Finnish. Okay. So when he was playing there, I mean he had one, a really lethal shot. He he was known for his shot. I mean if he can find that again, if he can un- unlock that again, I mean, this kid can be a 20-goal scorer easily. Yeah, he's definitely not tossing muffins at the goalies. It's just the accuracy. That's the problem. Yeah, that's it. I know. But, yeah, I think, like I said, I think overall I'm happy with both signings. I think both signings are going to be useful to the Habs. And, yeah, I'm excited for them. Now, we still have two remaining RFAs, Mike McCarron and Charles Houdel. Do you think uh, these uh, players still have a future in the organization? If not, then where do you see them ending up? Uh, Houdon, I don't think, has a future at all with the Canadians. Um, he's, he doesn't seem to be in their plans. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded uh, to a team willing to give him a chance. I mean, the kid has all the skill to be an NHLer. It's just he has no consistency. Uh if he can find a way to play the way he did in that one game against Boston last November, <laughs> yeah. where he was up and down the ice, hitting everything that moved, t- stealing pucks, protecting the puck, getting shots on net, going to the net, stuff. Like, if he played ga- more games like that, I don't think he would have a problem staying in a lineup. Yeah, and I, I don't think his two-way game is not that strong. That, I think that's the, that's the reason why. He's he's not getting the time or the opportunities that he'd like. Yeah, with Julian, you have to play defense, and uh, Charles Houdon has a hard time with that. Yeah, and what about Mike McCarron? What, what do you see? I know, like Mike McCarron. I feel bad for Mike McCarron. He actually he was taking strides in the right direction last season before he got injured. What, what do you see with Mike? Well, yeah, he he had that shoulder injury that he finally got fixed. Um, but I, I expect to see him sign probably a two-way deal or even an AHL-only deal. Um, he had a good start last year. Bouchard loved him, played him in every situation, and, and he was starting to shine. Yeah. Um, that He had the surgery that doesn't help. Uh, and even though he's got that bus tag attached to him now, I still see him having a chance to become a uh, bottom six NHL. You, see, uh, you think so? Yeah, he... Yeah, he might be able to make it. He still has that opportunity. Um, he's still young enough, so you never know. I mean, I, I don't see him becoming a, <laughs> a top six or, a, you know, a guy who can score 15 goals a year or anything, but someone who can who can step into a fourth-line role, like a Delorier, yeah. that kind of role. Um, I mean, big players like him do take time, and they have issues, especially when you have problems thinking the game. At a, at a fast enough pace like uh, McCurran's had? That's his problem. That really is his yeah. problem, is thinking the game. I mean, he'll go for the big hit instead of retrieving the puck. I mean, there's just so many little errors that he makes. Um, I mean, it sucks, though. I think that his game is well-suited for the AHL. I mean, it, the injury sucked. that He was doing pretty well down there. Um, but I think both guys are have fell out of favor. I mean... Like Houdon, I mean, he's gonna have to. He would have to fight his way through this bottom six logjam of wingers, and I mean, I just don't see it. And to tell you the truth, with him, I see him 
taking a similar path to like Sven Andragetto, getting traded to an NHL team and, and play there for parts of, of the season, but then end up in Europe eventually. That's where I see him going. And I mean, these are all guys that I had high hopes for. Uh, and Andragetto at one point, I liked him. You know, Sherback is another guy I really liked. But these guys are, are in Europe. And I think that's where he's going to end up eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah honestly, I, I think the, I think you've nailed that one fairly well. Uh, and, and it's not just uh, the players themselves. I mean, these players, they they have to be developed properly. And uh, I think Houdon's case, he his defensive game never developed well enough. I, I don't know if I can blame the player or the coaching on this one, but overall, it's I mean, he was a fifth round pick. So let's be honest, he got he got a, a full season out of him. I think that's a good use of a fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean, it, fifth round pick, it's always a long shot. I mean, they're not all going to be, I guess, Bren, Brendan Gallagher, was was he a fifth round pick? He was. So there you go. You know, they're not all going to be Brendan Gallagher's. I mean, Brendan Gallagher worked r- extremely hard t- to get where he's at, you know, and, and y- not everybody, y- you don't have a lot of Gallagher's. No, and the one that'll hurt, though, is McCarron. Uh, just because he was a first-round pick, he was supposed to be the next uh, Milan Lucic. Yeah. Unfortunately, he became the later portion of the Milan Lucic <laughs> yeah. career exactly. too quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the futuristic Milan Lucic, not the early one. Man. That's <laughs> spot on, though. They both play the same now. But I, I do think he has a, a spot uh, in Laval. Bouchard seems to like him. And the Rocket could use a big body top six forward like him. Yeah, he's a top six forward in the AHL. Yeah, I think that he, I think he's a I think he's going to be a career AHLer. I really do. I think he's got the size to play down there, and the slower speed plays into his game. You know, he just doesn't think the game fast enough for the NHL. I think for the AHL, it, it suits it perfect. It's a more grindy game down there, you know, and I think that's good for him. The only other way I could see only other thing I could see possibly working out for him is maybe a West Coast team gives him a chance because it's a bigger game out there. Maybe. Um, but I just feel like these guys, these guys, I mean, we all, it's normal for every fan base to overvalue their prospects. We always see them. We always pay attention to them. But I mean, these guys, everybody has guys like this in their system, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's why he, these guys fall out of favor. And he went from being a Milan Lucic to let's hope he can turn into a Michael Blunden. <laughs> and I'm a, you know, Gibby and all these guys and my friends, they, they hate me. They hate on me because I actually like Blunden because he would just hit everything that moved. <laughs> and when Blunden played for us, this is when we were still known as like the really small Habs. We used to get pushed over. And he doesn't care about the puck. He's just dumping it in and he's running at you. And you know, I enjoyed that, even though he was not really a good hockey player. And that's what we had in Deloria this year. And that's that's honestly, uh, if he's going to play NHL games, that's what McCarron's going to be. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's dead kind of in the NHL now. You you can't just be a guy who's going to throw body checks. You saw that with Deloria; <laughs> it happened real fast. Yeah. I mean, it was nice when we weren't playing meaningful hockey. But once the games get a little more meaningful and you're playing more skilled game and with speed, you saw how Delorier just kind of got pushed out real fast. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, with, with McCarron, the big issue is not the fact that he hasn't made it yet. It's the fact that he was a first-round pick. Yeah. And that's something that, uh, that slowed the development for the team, uh, not having someone come in and be able to play a role. And picked ahead of, I think, Chris Kreider, too. We could have got Kreider there. Uh, nope. 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 Uh, Carter was right Oh, okay. Who, who, there was a, there was a couple guys that, came, there was somebody that came after. Louis LeBlanc. Oh, was that who we picked instead of Kreider that year? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I still remember that moment. Okay, that's who it was. So I, I switched those up. But yeah, man, McCarron. Yeah. I wish him the best. I really do. And maybe maybe he does sign again. Do you think he gets a deal? I think he's going to end up signing a deal. Uh, his best case scenario is a two-way deal, uh, but more than likely he'll probably end up with the an AHL deal. Okay, well, well we'll keep an eye on that, and good luck to both of them. Yeah, but I think Houdon is gone. 
Now, let's talk about another prospect who never disappointed. Mr. Jesperi Kotka Niemi. His second season is fastly approaching. Now, are you worried about a sophomore slump and maybe how this coaching staff will react to it? Um, to be, to be honest, no, uh, I'm not really concerned with a slump in his case. I mean, this is a kid that has just an innate ability to learn and adjust from shift to shift. I mean, uh, he did admit at the end of the, uh, at the end of the season that he was having issues with fatigue. And I kind of put that on the fact that, I mean, he played nonstop from July until April, like a hundred games, something to that effect. If you count all the development camps and, and uh, the rookie tournaments. And I mean, he had a bit of a knee issue that's been sorted out. Um, I'm expecting to see him show up to camp about 10 pounds heavier and really ready to go with an up-tempo style. So um, instead of a slump, I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing sec- the second line center role by the end of the year and even uh, getting close to 50 points. I, you know, I hope you're right. And you know, the reason why I came up with this question, I think it's maybe because it's just PTSD from past center prospects, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, you know, a little bit of last season, they kind of played him on the wing at times near the end of the season. I think that's what's messing with my head here. It really is. Well, I mean, he played one, uh, one game on the wing and everybody freaked out. I mean, he played 70 games at center and then they moved him to the wing when he was feeling fatigued and a little bit, a uh, little bit out of sorts and everybody lost it. So it's pretty clear they think of him as a center and they expect him to be one. So him playing one game at the wing wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't see them putting him on the wing at all this year. Uh, he just seems like he's ready. I mean, I've seen video of him uh, on the ice out in Europe. The people are posting uh, videos of him, his workouts and his on ice try. Uh, you know, uh, scrimmages and all that. So he looks good. It looks he's, like he's ready. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you were to have a slump, um, I would expect to see Julian do what he did last year, kind of shelter him on a third line, yeah. a couple of strong defensive players, like say an Armenia and a Lekkonen. Yeah. Um, bring back the flying fins, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the more fins, the better, uh, for a country of so few, they've produced amazing, talented two-way players finlandia and good vodka do you like vodka no uh i've i've had i've i've dabbled a little bit with vodka from on and off i mean you know vodka is only for wounds, try it sometimes right it's only for wounds it's not it's not for drinking <laughs> <laughs> but you know blaine i'm telling you it goes, I, it goes really well with lemonade <laughs> yeah blaine i'm telling you though i'm worried that claude julian might not handle his situation properly. Like, especially the one thing that worries, okay, Galchenyuk, we can use him as an example, but that wasn't all him, obviously. Um, and another thing that kind of worries me is there's a lot of depth on bottom centers, you know, like bottom six centers. There's a lot of guys who can play center in the bottom six position on this team right now. And that's what worries me. Just like one little hiccup or the earliest sign that he's struggling. I just hope that he does not get pushed aside for one of these more veteran guys. That, that's the one thing that I hope. And I know this coach has been known to do that. He's shown signs that he's been able to change. So, and I hope that that stays true. But, yeah, I do have confidence in Coach Niami. I do think he's smart. I do think he'll be better but I'm not going to lie. I do like Claude Julian as a coach, but he does have some bad tendencies at times, and I hope that that, that doesn't affect Kotka Niemi. He, he does have a tendency to favor veterans. That's true. But in, in this case here, it's uh, it, this is the third overall pick who's slated to be the franchise center. So I, I see a hand coming from above kind of guiding Julian a little bit on this one. So he's, he's got Bergevin breathing over his shoulder on this because if he messes this up, it makes Bergevin look bad, which he does not want. So I swear if Nick Cousins is playing third-line center and Kokaniemi sitting in the press box this year, oh, man, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> I swear. I, I think 
<laughs> I think the Celtics Quebec is going to have to go into Montreal at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know, I hope I hope you're right. I, I really do. But like I said, PTSD, the past is creeping up on me. So I'm just happy we, we got to talk it out. Works for me. <laughs> All right, now you know what time it is, Blaine. It's time for an edition of Gotta Habit or Trash. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Gotta Habit or Trash. I'm your host, Lewis Lewington. Welcome. And I'm the excited kid in the circus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another edition of Gotta Have It or Trash It. You know how it works. I'm going to give you a question or statement, and you tell me, Gotta Have It or Trash It. Blaine, pretty simple, right? Oh, I hope it's simple enough. I mean, I'm a sailor. We're not, we're not known to be bright. <laughs> All right. Let's get this show on the road. Okay. Jess Perry, Cook and Yemi playing on the wing due to Ryan Paling outperforming him. Gotta have it or trash it? Trash it. Okay. Explain. Uh, as we were talking about with uh, Kutniemi's uh, development, I, I would not want to see that ever. I mean, it'd be great if Paling were doing better than Kutniemi, but if that's the case, then both should be playing center. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? I've always thought that Ryan Paling might end up on the wing. I think that if, if one of them is going to end up on the wing, I think it's Paling. He's yeah, his good. playmaking skills aren't quite as good as Kotniemi, so I can I can see that. But again, I'm, I wouldn't be too keen on seeing him move to the wing either. Yeah, me either. Um, now, Max Domi moving back to wing after a career year at center. Got to have it or trash it. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh. I mean, I would... I would say trash it because they need him at center, but I would have it because if he were moved to the wing, oh. it's because Kotniemi and <laughs> Paling showed they can play at center. Right. Yeah. You know, and I was just, last year me and Gibby had some debates about this and I didn't want nothing to do with it. And this is in the season. And I mean, this is the best numbers that Max Domi has ever put up. So why, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Oh, exactly. But I mean, I'm not... Now I'm 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 gonna say you know, gotta have it, because if anybody I think I would much rather have the two young center prospects play center. I mean that's why we drafted them there. I would give it a shot at the wing, and I mean it's not like a few games if it doesn't work out we can always put him back. I mean it's not gonna he's not gonna just magically forget everything. Max Domi kind of fit into the center role pretty fast. I mean. Of course, there's always a little bit of a learning curve, but with him, I thought that he 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 kind of fit in there pretty quick. Well, he has an amazing work ethic, so him picking up on what he needs to do was it was almost seamless. But in, in this specific case, he only moves if one of the young guys shows they can take that role. If not, he stays there. Okay, agreed. All right, if Mark Bergevin's Habs fail to make the playoffs again, he will be relieved of his duties. Got to have it or trash it? Personally, I would say habit, but uh, my gut says he's not going to be fired. Okay. So you don't think that I would another want playoff-less year? He, he, you, no. you think that uh, Molson's going to keep him? I think Molson drank the, uh, the, the Kool-Aid on the plan that he was uh, sold. And he's going to give him a couple of years. Personally, if I were the if I were the owner, I would fire him if yeah. he missed the playoffs again. Yeah, I think that if if it stays, so I'm going to say gotta have it. And if it stays like this, the off season with still money on the cap and you know only making minor changes, and you don't make the playoffs, and you don't make any trades at the deadline. If you, do, if you don't see the effort, then yes, I think that you got to get rid of him. Enough is enough. And yes, he's done great work. But that doesn't mean that the next guy can't come in and, and you know, take off where, uh, or start where he left off. So, Exactly. Thanks for the work, bud, but see you later. <laughs> Here's your severance package. <laughs> so, another one. Dale Weiss 
returns to form and cracks the lineup. Got to have it or trash it. Trash it. <laughs> so, it's not happening. <laughs> Come on, the magic of Dale Weiss. We know what he wants oh. brought to this franchise. I love me some Dutch Gretzky, but <laughs> I, I, I'm just too realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's over. That's another one. I mean, like I said, as Habs fans, we fall in love with the guys who were once here, but sometimes you just got to know when to let go. Trashing that one. That's like my 10th grade girlfriend. Yeah. Thanks for the fun time. See you later. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, okay. Um, now... Mark Bergevin makes no more moves and gives our prospects a better chance to make the squad. Got to have it or trash it? Well, we're, we're having it now. <laughs> I honestly think that's, that's his plan, is to give these young guys that, that opening. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're really pushing for a youth movement, uh, then you should be happy. So I'm going to say have it. Yeah, and me too. I'm going to say habit. And that's one thing, like me included. I I'm going to put myself in that category of, of w the people who want to see him spend some money, make some trades, improve this team. But, I mean, just a season ago, we were saying time to rebuild it. So, I mean, it's crazy how, how quick things f change. And, and really, yes, I, I would. if he does nothing, I'm going to be disappointed. And I'm going to think it's a failed offseason for sure because I think there was opportunities to improve this team without giving up too much. I think the opportunities were there. But if he's stocking up on, on draft picks and he wants to give those guys a chance, I guess I kind of understand that too. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 he, his offseason is uh, somewhat disappointing to many, many people. But at the same time, he, he's not just spending to spend. So, uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now and, and kind of watch what he does in season with his about $6 million in cap space, 12 draft picks and a boatload of prospects and see what he pulls out of his hat. Yeah. If he, cause you mentioned it earlier, if he does nothing, then me and you and a bunch of other Habs fans are going to be very angry. Yeah. We're going to be protesting at the bell center. Yeah, and that costs money to get there. So, you know. Yeah, I'm going to protest. I want more French. <laughs> I want more French music played in the Bell Center and I want more, I want a new GM. <laughs> okay. You sure you're not from Quebec? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we're going to take another break and when we get back, we're going to uh, do some around the league talk. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Stay with us. It's a podcast, but still stay with us. What's that fantastic smell, you ask? It's no other than Sizzle Popcorn. Sizzle Popcorn is now offering delivery of their mouth-watering treats with flavors like cheddar, salt and vinegar, ketchup, and simple but beautiful lightly buttered. They now deliver, yes they do. They can cater birthday parties or even movie nights for the family. Add that extra sizzle to your life and visit shop.sizzlepopcorn.com. I told you we'd be back, and we are back. The man keeps his promises. Yes, I do. That's not what my fiancé says or thinks, but it's the truth. You got proof right here. I'm going to tiptoe away from that one. <laughs> All right, now let's do some around the league talk. <laughs> Mr. Blaine. A lot of big-name RFAs are still on the board. So tell me, do you see another offer sheet happening, a trade, or do you think all these contracts get done eventually? I see Oprah Winfrey coming out of the woodwork and just yelling, you get an offer sheet, and you get an offer sheet, and you get an 
no, no, I, I think that'd be awesome. But uh, no, I don't think another offer sheet's going to happen. Um, I can see it. I, I can picture a trade. Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of talk about line A, but uh, maybe a lesser name on the Winnipeg roster, like say an Ehlers, just to make room. Um, and when it comes to Marner, I expect him to, to, to eventually sign with Toronto on a five-year deal. I think that's, that's the sticking point. He wants his, he wants the term that Matthews has. Right. Yeah. I don't see any more offer sheets, especially because there's, you know, I heard that Mark Bergman, he, he used to be the busiest guy in the NHL, always on the phone. Now I heard nobody's picking up his phone call. Very unfortunate. That's what I heard. That's the rumor. <laughs> but uh, I don't see another offer sheet happening. And, yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the trade. I see one of these RFAs getting traded. I think as the beginning of the season approaches and no deals are done, I think the William Nylander situation will be an eye-opener for kind of both GMs and players. I mean, even the P.K. Subban situation a few seasons ago, I mean, that could have been the beginning of the end for P.K. in Montreal. You know, maybe because, I mean, not the beginning of the end, but maybe the first red flag for Mark. I mean, it's no secret that arbitration, long contract negotiations, holdouts, that all can affect the relationships between players and management, you know. So I think that, I think both parties are, are going to kind of look to settle things before people's hands are forced. So I'm not. I'm saying no more offer sheets. I think most contracts will be figured out, and I think there's one big trade. One of these big guys are going to get traded. That is my prediction. Oh, it would be amazing if Line A somehow ended up in Montreal. Oh my God, I I, I really I dream about it every day. I do. I've had dreams about it. To have the the next Ovechkin wearing a, a the blue blanc rouge would be uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I don't see it happening. Shevel Dayoff no. is a friend, so he's probably one of the only guys who will pick up Mark Bergevin's call right now. <laughs> he is a friend. That's true. They, they did work together. They, they do know each other. They are friends. Um, but it has to be a secret yeah. phone call because if all the other GMs find out, Shevel Dayoff might be in trouble. So they're probably... Well, I mean, they would find <laughs> out if they watch TSN. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> So, yeah, that's my prediction. One, one, just one big trade. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see that happen sometime in August. Yeah. Speaking of RFAs, William Nylander, former RFA, who almost held out the full season, but he made it just on time. He changed his number from 29 to 88, and not only did the hockey world chirp him, but his own fans have truly turned their back on him. Can he live up to this number, Blaine? Well, I mean, you know, the Eric Lindros was such a, a great Maple Leaf in his stint there for, what was it, 20 games, 30 games? I mean, how can, how can fans forget how wonderful Eric Lindros <laughs> was at yeah. the end of his career there? Yeah, I mean, he's like Doug Murray. Remember when we had Doug Murray? I mean, pretty much... They had the same same type of effect on the team, just big bodies skating around. How that man's numbers <laughs> haven't been retired yet. <laughs> no, but Lindros has come out and tweeted that he he you know he's given his blessing, you know, kind of jokingly mocking these fans that are upset over a, a silly number change. I mean, yeah. To be honest, this is this is really dumb. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, another thing too is. I mean, Josh Hosang kind of got the same type of reaction, remember, when he switched to 66, right? A little bit different, I know, Lemieux, but still, I mean, I think when you change your number to this, you better hope that you perform because people are going to compare you to that player. Which, honestly, I think is silly. It's just a number. Yeah, I, I do, Really too. just a number. Maybe... You know, maybe uh, maybe you grew up uh, loving Muriel Lemieux, and you're a stay-at-home defenseman, and yeah. you pick 66. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you should you shouldn't be mocked for that. No, I know, but I'll tell you one thing: it didn't <laughs> work out for Josh Hosang. He's been struggling to get an NHL job. A kid who <laughs> who had some talent. I mean, there was some high hopes for him, but ever since he changed his number, ah, things haven't been good. No, and in Nylander's case, switching to Eric Lindros's old number, um, I mean, he even offered to pay for this. Uh, 
Brendan Shanahan tweeted uh, tweeted something out where he showed a picture of his kid's room that is filled with Neilander merchandise, saying, "Oh, look at, thank you for the big money." Yeah, you know, so <laughs> yeah, a, a player changes his number, offers to pay fans to have it changed on their jerseys, uh, and Eric Lindros. Real, let's be honest, he he barely counts as a Maple Leaf uh, yeah, in their I mean, yeah, in their long history. Uh, yeah, he even knows this. He was joking about it. So. Yeah. That I'm not it's like such I don't, a minor I don't thing. even like put the the correlation just directly to Lindros on the Leafs. It's still Lindros's number. That's that's the only thing that I look at, right? But I mean, I, is there other is there anybody else with 88? Uh not the front, off the top of my head that I can think of. I mean, Lindros is ubiquitous with 88 and he had such a great career, a Hall of Fame career in my opinion, a true like the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. But Again, it's just a number. And if what he's trying to do is uh, channel some of that greatness, I think Leaf fans should be happy with that because he had a bad year last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's what I mean. Maybe he he will push himself to live up to the number. I'll tell you one thing. Eric Lindros will always be my favorite Quebec Nordique of all time. <laughs> he ironically separated quite quickly. Yeah, I mean it was it was short lived, but still my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and and with Neilander, the 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 number change has a lot to do with that was the number he wore when he was playing in Europe, and switching out twenty nine to eighty eight, kind of he's washing his hands of his horrible year last year, and he's having that psychological break. It's a it's a clean slate. Everything's new. Uh, you would think fans would would embrace that, but a handful of them just they oh they went off the deep end. Yeah, and I mean that's going to bring me into this question here. Now it's a good point. You know what I mean? It, it, it is. It's not like it, he just came out of the blue. It's a number that he th- that he has a connection to. I mean, and these little things for these kind of players sometimes make a difference. But I mean, for a player that put up two sixty-one point seasons before last year, I mean. Do you think the criticism he's receiving from his own fan base is fair? Um, he deserves criticism for not producing last year. The holdout held him back. He he never got up to speed, and that that really hurt him and the Leafs, who honestly had high hopes. They were they thought they were going to compete for a cup last year. Yeah, that's why they signed him. So he kind of he kind of sidetracked himself and the team. So yeah, I can, I understand their anger at that, but uh, this number thing just—it's just so petty to be angry about something so silly. Yeah, I think it's just—I mean, it's—that's the way these fan bases are, right? I mean, the holdout didn't help, and I mean that happens with Habs players too. I mean, it's—it's quick. It's—it's very easy to go from love to hate a player. It's very easy. And this is kind of just an example of that. Now, do you give me a prediction? Do you think he returns to form in a Maple Leafs jersey? I think so. I think he's going to have a, uh, a a really good bounce back here. Um, I don't see him playing a great two way game. He's never been known for that, but I can see him hitting up to seventy points this year. Yeah, and with uh, you know Babcock's favorite toy, Patrick Marlowe, kind of out of the picture. Yeah, I can see him. I can see him having a bounce back here. I, I think he'll, he'll be a lot better. And also, he's right at it, right out of the gate. He's not eating meatballs back home in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to rely on him quite heavily as well. Okay. Um, just one last one here. Alex Petrangelo ate pasta out of the Stanley Cup. People drink booze out of the Stanley Cup. Robbie Fabry let his dog eat out of the cup. He kind of took some heat for that. Is that going too far? No. Win the cup. Do what you want. Yeah, and I mean, it's not the real cup, right? It's just a replica. Technically, yes. <laughs> You're right. So let them do whatever <laughs> they want, man, right? I, I mean, you work so hard. I mean, some people don't even get the opportunity to, to babysit the cup, have it in their presence. I think that anything goes as long as you're not damaging it. Exactly. I mean, I've had the uh, the good fortune of uh, going to a couple of uh, Stanley Cup parties myself, and I've seen some of the weird stuff that they do. And honestly, 
do- a dog eating out of it is so minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so minor. It it's, really is. And these these guys have worked their entire lives to win this championship. Just let them have their fun. You can disinfect it afterwards. Exactly. Sanitizer, people. I mean, that's why they made the stuff. <laughs> or Finland, Finlandia vodka, like we were talking about earlier. That will do the trick, too. Oh, that kills off a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Now uh, we're going to end it with some tweets of the week. Mr. Blaine, you can go first. Well, uh, I had one lined up, but then just this afternoon, I had one top the list. It was a doozy. Um, so I made a post about, uh, right. I wrote an article about Markov, the impact he would have on the team. If he should be back, yada, yada, yada. Um, a uh, person named West Island proud decided to answer and <laughs> said, I'm tired, just tired, tired of losing, tired of not contending, tired of watching a bona fide star move from team to team to team making the idiot MB strongly (laughs) resemble a genius. Okay. So the league is more competitive. The Habs aren't will never be again. Go devils. Go. I I wonder, (laughs) I wonder who the star player he mentioned would be. I mean, I, I I can't, I can't possibly imagine. Can you make it any more obvious? (laughs) I mean, come on. Look, I, I get it. You know, you didn't like a trade. That's fine. No, I didn't like it at the time. It's done. It's over with. And saying that he's an idiot and then saying that he's a genius in the same sentence <laughs> and that the team will never be competitive again. I, uh, yeah, that's just such over the top. Honestly, I, I don't know if the person's trolling just to, to get a rise out of me, <laughs> but the 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 level of of craziness in that tweet, but at the same time, the genius level of trolling. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, bravo. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if he wins craziest tweet of the year, I will be moving to New Jersey soon. I'm going to take him to a devil's game. Okay. We're, we're giving him tickets to a devil's game and I'm taking it. Are you going to be able to find tickets to a devil's game? I mean, my God, <laughs> It should be packed now with, yeah, yeah. with a bona fide star. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to get my hands on some. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now my tweet of the week is actually on our uh, RFA of the day, Mr. William Nylander. And it's not really a tweet. It's kind of a quote from the Steve Dangle podcast. And uh, somebody just tweeted out what he said. And they said that men do not like William Nylander because he's hot. Now, <laughs> now, now, I need to ask you: Do you have, does that? Do you have that? Those thoughts? Like, I mean, if a player is just too pretty, does that mean do you hate him? <laughs> oh, uh, sure. Because I, I mean, look at his hair; it's just so nice. <laughs> I mean, do you I mean, think there's on. there's got to be some people out there that probably just like I hate this guy. He's just so perfect. <laughs> well, he he does. He does. I mean, the guy is he he's dapper. He's well. He's well put together. He's got great clothes. I mean, I can see why people would be jealous and angry at that. But I mean, honestly, when you look like me, it's you, you can't be jealous at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you know what I mean. I mean, I'm not. I'm not usually jealous of those people. I mean, I mean. To tell you the truth, I kind of think it's the opposite for me. If like somebody's like a re- has a really ugly face, it's like I hate that guy's face. You know, there's certain guys in the NHL like I just see them and I hate their face. You know, Brad Marchand, I hate his face. You know, <laughs> yeah, ugly face, I hate him. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to say that I'm a supermodel, but I you know I, didn't, I never had any problems getting ladies. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know? But I do, I do, I do see Nylander as today's version of Ron Duguay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. man is just yeah, so he, pretty. Yeah, he is. He's he's got good hair. He's got a little bit of a chubby face. I think he could have a stronger uh, jawline. You know, that, that's my opinion. 
think he's it got just a little, makes him look younger. Yeah, a little bit of a round face. I mean, I think if he had more of like a Henrik Lundqvist kind of jaw, that that would add to it a bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's all right. I'll give him a eight point five out of ten. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he, he had a quality <laughs> suit in there. He might go up to a nine and a half. <laughs> That's right. Hey, and if he can get up to uh, sixty-one points again, maybe give him a ten. Yeah, well, Actually, I know, you know Domi is a 10 in you know my, what? my I'm, book. I'm going to give him an 88 out of 100. How about that? <laughs> oh, oh, damn! <laughs> all right, Blaine. That's all we got today. Uh, I'd love to, you know, I thank you for joining me. I, I've had a lot of fun doing this, and I'm sure we're going to have a few more hybrid shows down the, the road. Maybe a, dare I say, Gibby and Treg show? Ooh! How would that, that would be recorded, be, uh, though? Be... That's like on walkie-talkies or something. I don't think they have the programming to do that. I think it would be a tin, two tin cups and a string. <laughs> uh, Blaine, it's been a pleasure. Well, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I, I love being able to come in and be uh, Gibby for a day. Uh, I'm kind of honored that, uh, you know, I, you, you asked me to do this, and... Oh, yeah. Put together the Velvet Revolver of the uh, Rocket Sports <laughs> podcast. Exactly. I'd like to uh, thank everybody. At this point, you probably listen. And Blaine, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. Have a great time.